This podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Secret in My DNA. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. This is a podcast where NPEs and MPEs can share their stories. NPE is an acronym for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. MPE means Misattributed Parental Event. This means that one or both of our parents are not our biological parent. In 2016, I found out I was an NPE after taking an ancestry DNA test and suddenly my life was turned upside down. On this podcast, myself and my guests shared their stories about what life was like before making our DNA discovery and what the journey has been like since. We deal with a huge array of emotions, grief, anger, denial, confusion, fear, excitement, and even happiness. Most people cannot empathize or understand unless they've lived it. So I'm using the podcast platform as a way for us to come together as a supportive community to heal from the trauma and share our stories in the hopes that this will help others to cope with their new life-altering truth. Welcome to episode three, The Polaroid Picture, Brandy's story. My guest today is Brandy. Hi. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So could you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? I am 41. I am, I've been married for 21 years and I have three girls. I work full time and I live a very busy life with children. (laughs) (laughs) And also an NPE, right? You can add that to your list of uh, titles. Yes. Um, So Brandy, when did you discover that you are an NPE? Um, What was your reaction and how did it make you feel? So when I was, when I was 10, um, I was, I overheard a family member talk about my paternity to somebody. I, and at the moment, I don't know who it was. My mom can't remember, but at that time I went to my mom and asked her, um, if my dad was my dad. Um, That is when my mom set me down and told me that my dad was not my dad and that my dad was a a Native American man who she met on vacation. Okay. So how, how did you react to that when she told you? I remember crying and I remember being upset, but... As a child, I think that I was very sensitive to my mom's emotions. And so because I could tell it was upsetting her, I think that a lot of the emotions I was feeling were kind of pushed aside because I didn't want to make her feel bad. And it sounds, I don't want to make it sound like like my mom caused that. I'm not sure if she did. I just know that... At the time, I don't remember being, I don't remember being terribly upset. 
I don't remember just being like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't remember feeling uh, a lot of bad emotions towards it. I know I was sad and, and I do remember, um, I remember feeling a bit of uh, confusion around it, but I don't remember uh, being terribly upset about it. But the one thing that I will add to all of this is, my parents divorced when I was eight. So at this point I was 10, they had been divorced for two years. And from the time I was eight to the time I was 10, I didn't see my dad a whole lot. So, so that's your, that would be your birth certificate father? Correct. My birth certificate okay. father. Um, I, yes, I, I didn't see him a whole lot. So I think that at the time, I think in my 10 year old brain, I was almost relieved, I think, that he wasn't my biological father because it, it, it meant there was nothing for me to be really upset at him about. Not that not that I wasn't sad about it, but um, there was so much emotion going on with the fact that my parents divorced and that my dad was not coming around as much as he used to mm-hmm. that I think that that particular information was more uh more of a it made me understand things a little bit more i think Uh, late you know later on i found out that my mom actually told my dad that he was not my biological father when i was eight so when they divorced my mom told my birth certificate father that he was not my dad so now as an adult all of this makes sense. But at the time I was just a 10 year old kid and couldn't see my dad. So it was one of those things where it makes a lot more sense now that I'm an adult. And when I was 10, I don't remember a whole lot of emotions towards the fact that my birth certificate dad was not my biological dad. I don't remember. I know there was a lot going on at that time in my life. And I do remember uh, I remember getting into trouble in school a lot at that point, but I'm not really sure if that has to do with the information I got or if it was just my parents divorcing and um, all of that, the stuff that goes into a divorce. I, I do know that when my parents, so when I was born, my parents got a divorce nine months after I was born. Okay. So Um, I guess I need to back up a little bit further. So when I was conceived, my parents were were dating. My dad had just graduated. My birth certificate father had just graduated from high school. And my mother was between her junior year and senior year of high school. So my mom started school that year. Two weeks later, found out she was pregnant. And within a week, my parents were married. Okay? So... when I was born, nine months after I was born, my parents got a divorce. So from the time I was nine months to the time I was eight, my parents were off again, on again, off again, on again. Sometimes we would, they would be together and other times they wouldn't. There was a time where I actually lived with my, my birth certificate father and my mom had a job where she traveled the country. So I was with him uh, permanently. And she was just somebody that I would go see when she was in town or on Christmas or things like that. So I remember the thing that I remember is when the last time they were together, 
I was probably around six or seven when they got together. And that was like such a happy time for me because I had my mom, my, my birth certificate father, and, and my sister at that point, because when I was five, my mom had my little sister. So by the time my parents got a divorce, I think that I had gone through so much that them divorcing was kind of like my, the final, like, it was like final for me. Like they're never going to be back together again. I just wanted them to be back together. And I think maybe even because it had been so wishy-washy when I was younger, I thought, oh, well, they'll get back together. And then they never did. And so just those emotions that I went through, I think some of the anger that I was feeling at the time was more towards that than not, than me finding out that my birth certificate father wasn't my biological father, if that makes any sense. I feel like I have to explain all of that so that people understand the reason why I'm so confused over really what emotions I was feeling because there was so much going on at the time that I think I just didn't know what I was feeling. Well, that's a lot for a 10-year-old to take in. So probably the combination of finding out about that and and the divorce probably didn't help. So so they divorced when you were a baby, but then they got back together and then divorced again when you were older? Several times. So when I when 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 they got when they actually split up for the last time when I was 8, they weren't married. They had just they they had they got a divorce when I was 9 months and never got remarried, but okay. they were together. So it, and it was constantly like that. There were times where they'd be together and then they'd be apart and then they'd be together and be apart and be together. Yeah, it was just like always off and on and on, off and on again. And I remember times throughout my childhood that that's just how it was. We would live with my dad and then we wouldn't live with my dad and then we'd live with my dad. And then we, and, and when I say my dad, I'm talking about my birth certificate father. So, right. Okay. And so then eventually they have another child, your, your sister, right? Correct. Um, and then eventually down the road, your mom, after they split up, does remarry. She does. Yes. When I was 12, my mom met my stepdad who ended up being the most steady father figure that I ever had. My, my grandfather, so when my parents split up, we went and lived with my grandfather, who really gave me some stability that I never had had before. And so that was kind of like the beginning of figuring out that um, there's a lot more stable places in the world than what I was used to. And so I, you know, we lived with my grandfather for about three years. And I really feel like my grandfather and living with him was probably the best thing that happened to me at that time because of the emotions that I was going through and because of the way my dad was. My dad is a is a drug addict. And so at times when he was doing his thing, um, my grandfather stepped in. In, in such a big way. So, you know, for about three years, I had him. And then my mom got a job out of town, which was like five hours away from my grandfather. So we moved from where we lived with my grandfather to five hours away. My mom eventually got a different job and um, met, that's where she met my stepfather. And so when I was 12, my mom remarried and um, my stepfather was there 
from the time that they married to the time he passed away in 2018. So um, he was the, you know, he was the grandfather to my children. He was my, I feel like he was the most concrete father figure that somebody could have in my situation. He loved me like his own. He didn't call me stepdaughter. He called me daughter. You know, he was just, he was just one of those people that um, made a real, I mean, I call him, I feel like he's the hero in my story because he gave me something, A, that he didn't have to. And he gave me something that I needed right at a time when I needed it the most. He gave me that. And he was there um, he, you know, he was there to teach me to drive. He was there the first time my heart was broken. He was there to give me away at my wedding. He was just all the things that, um, a father should be. He was, he was, and he didn't have to be. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, I feel like that's the, um, gist of my, childhood you know i could go into more detail but that that's the gist of my story and how it began and where i went from because when i was 10 you have to think about when i was 10 it was 1990 and there was no way for me to find somebody that my mom met on vacation when she was 17 and had no name she did not know where he was from. All she could tell me was he was an he was um, a Native American who she met on vacation when she was with. She, I mean, she was on vacation with my grandfather and my grandmother um, at the time, and came back. Didn't realize she was pregnant. Was dating my dad at the time, and so she went on to get married to him. And she said I was probably about two. Um, when she realized that I was probably not my dad's. My dad is, uh, my dad is uh, 50% Czechoslovakian. And if any, if, if y'all know, if anybody knows anybody who's Czechoslovakian, they know that Czechoslovakian people have a very olive uh, toned skin. Uh, they have a kind of distinct features in some ways. Uh, and I just did not look like the, his family at all. And so my mom kind of, uh, my mom would go back. So when my mom was on vacation, her sister was with her and her sister, my aunt at the time was married. And so her and her husband and her baby met my grandmother, my grandfather, and my mom all down at this town to have vacation. And my aunt took these pictures. And so throughout my life, my mom would look at these pictures. She just happened to take pictures of the man that my mom met on vacation that day. Wow. And so because she had these pictures, my mom would always go back to these pictures and just say, oh my goodness, she looks like this guy. Um, and when I was 10, my mom actually gave me a picture. And is this the Polaroid picture? Correct. So a, a few years after she gave me the Polaroid picture, I was going through another set of pictures of hers and actually came across a second picture. And I knew 
when I saw the picture that it was the same person. So I took that picture out. I put it with my picture that my mom had given me when I was 10. And I've, I've always had these pictures. Like I've just kept them uh, in a secret little box that I, you know, carry around, you know, not really carry around, but you know what I mean? Like I've, it's gone everywhere with me. You know, it sits, mm-hmm. it sits in my closet and I just kind of keep a little, keep, I keep some keep keepsakes in there. And those two pictures have just always made their way down the road with me. So um, anyway, that's where the picture comes in and how I knew what my biological father looked like. I just didn't know who he was or how to find him. I had thought about when uh, Facebook first became big, I had thought about putting that picture on Facebook and just saying, does somebody know who this is? I need to talk mm-hmm. to him. Or um, the, the one hard thing about my situation is I've had a hard time communicating with my birth certificate father about all of this. Mm. Um, from what my mom has told me, it caused him a lot of pain when she told him, um, he did eventually come back into my life and has kind of, uh, stayed steady in my life. He still hasn't, he still wasn't like there, there, but you know, he, he's always, uh, you know, we've always had phone conversations at, at one time he was in prison and I would go visit him in prison and send him letters and things. So we've had communication and we've, it, we've kept, a somewhat of a relationship. I love him. Um, my grandparents on his side were a pretty big part of my childhood and always took care of me when my parents were not able or capable or willing or whatever it is that you want to say. Um, so that side of my family is very special and I, I feel very conflicted about some of the things that have happened because there's always they're always there and I don't want to disrespect anybody or make anybody feel bad or make anybody feel sad about this whole situation. Uh, But part of the issue is when you don't know where you come from, it's just something that always gnaws at you. It's something you always want. Or for me, it was like that. You know, I've heard people say, well, I don't even want to know. And I, I get it. I understand that. But for me, I always wanted to know, um, or I always felt like I wanted to know. I do think there were times in my life where I probably um, maybe hesitated a bit because when you don't know what's around the corner or you don't know what you're going to find, it's a little harder to want it, you know? And so I can see, and now that I, now that I've come to a point where I know I can see points in my life where I probably could have found out a little sooner or I could have made a, a different kind of effort to maybe get to where I am now. Uh, but I think a part of me was a little hesitant because you just don't know. So when you found out at 10, when your when your mom told you the truth, um, from then on, you know, even as a child, a teenager in your early adult life, did you want to find out? Did you think about it often? I Were you curious, like even more curious at that point? When I was a kid, I remember looking at those pictures and just really studying them. And I really tried at one point to find 
uh, characteristics that were like mine in him, just, you know, looking, the picture has his hands and I wanted to see where our noses were the same and, and things like that. Uh, I think as I got older, you have to remember, I got married when I was 19. I had, I had a child when I was 20. And so once I started having children, I think it did take my mind off of it a bit. It wasn't as important. It wasn't, I was busy in that life. So I wasn't some, it wasn't something that I, I can't say that it wasn't something that I longed for, but I can say that my attention was not all on it. Like it was maybe when I was a kid or even when, as a teenager, you know, as a teenager, you feel so out of sorts anyway. So you're constantly trying to find that acceptance or, um, that, uh, belonging where you belong and where you fit in. And, you know, I, I, I've always felt like it's really weird because I always felt like I looked like my mom's family. So I didn't have that, you know, a lot of people have these experiences where they don't look like anybody and they just, they just want to look like somebody. I I didn't really have that experience. People throughout my whole life have told me I look just like my grandmother, which is my mom's mom who actually passed away when I was two. So I didn't know her. Mm. So it was always such a, like a, um, like a compliment when somebody would say, you look just like your grandmother, you know, it was just like, Oh, thanks. You know, it was just like a, and I, and I always felt like, I always felt like, um, that was like something good. You know, I never, in, in other words, I never felt bad about my looks. I never felt, I never felt like, Oh, you know, I don't look like anybody. I I always felt like I resembled my mom's side of the family. So that wasn't even ever an issue. But I will say that my dad's side of the family looks so different from me that I do remember feeling out of sorts in that, on that side. My dad's family, they're very small people. And so, um, and I was always a bigger kid. I have an uncle on my dad's side that is uh, the same age as me. He's four months older than me. And so when, um, when I was younger, I remember my grandmother always making comments like, don't be so rough with him. He's smaller than you. And so there was always that, you know? So I remember feeling that way, but I think because my grandfather, you know, because of my mom and my grandfather, my grandfather was a bigger man. And so I just always felt like I probably took after them. And, you know, I just, I never felt, I never felt out of sorts in a way of never looking like anybody, you know, or anything like that. Like a lot of people describe, you know, so that is one thing, but. So then, so then you go on to get married and have kids. And of course, when you have kids, your priorities take a major shift, right? Sure. Um, but at some point, um, you eventually take a DNA test. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so in 2017, my mom, by my sister and I, both my heritage kits for Christmas. And I get this kit. And it was something that I had thought about for a long time. 
Um, but I think I just never like took the initiative because of the money and, you know, just all the stuff that goes into getting one of those kits. And so when I got it, I was so happy. It was like, I was like, oh my goodness. I was so excited. Like, oh, I'm going to get the answers. I thought, I just knew that test was going to tell me everything I'd always wanted to know. So I get the test, I take the test and I get my... <laughs> I get my results back and me and my sister send our tests back at the same time. Okay. But somehow my test gets back. My results get back before hers. So I get the results and I'm like, I'm looking at that result thing. And you have to remember back then, I didn't even know what I was looking at. I just knew the percentages and there was 0% native American blood. And so I was like, what I was just so confused. I was like, so I call my sister and at this point, my, my mind is rationalizing, right? Like, why wouldn't I be native American? If my mom is telling me that my biological father is native American and I'm not native American, then my dad must be my biological father. Like that's the only option I have. I wasn't thinking, of course, again, this is like new, so I'm like, I wasn't thinking about the fact that Czechoslovakian blood would have been in my DNA. I'm just thinking, well, I'm not Native American. So that means my dad, that has to mean my dad is my dad. And so I call my- Was in your mind that there could have been a third candidate? Not, not yet. At this point, I'm just like all dad. Like that's my dad. Oh my gosh, my dad is my dad. This is just the craziest thing. I lived my whole life- thinking my dad is not my dad and he's really my dad. So I call my sister and I'm like, Hey, did you get your results back? And she's like, no. I'm like, darn, I got mine back. Guess what? I don't have any native American blood. And she's like, what the heck? And so I'm like, we're laughing. Like, Oh my gosh, this would be so funny. If we get this back, we're full sisters and dad is our dad and nothing's ever different. Right. Like we just lived, I've lived my whole life thinking he's not my dad. And here we are. He's my dad. You're my full sister. We've always like said to ourselves, we've always had these conversations like, well, we're probably half sisters, you know, that that's the kind of conversations we would have, you know? And so the next day she calls me and she's like sobbing. And I'm like, what? My sister, I'm the crier. My sister's not the crier. So for her to be crying was just like, what is wrong? Like I knew something seriously was wrong. And I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, everything's fine, but you're my half sister. And I'm like, I, oh, we knew that. Like, I don't <laughs> understand why you're crying. She goes, Doug, she said, dad's not my dad. And I go, what? I said, well, how do you know? And she says, I'm half Mexican. And I'm like, what in the world? So she also finds out she's an NPE. Yes. <laughs> so at that point, we're both at a loss. Like I'm supposed to be half Native American. I'm all European. My sister is supposed to be all European. She finds out that she's half Hispanic. So it was like both of us at the same time were having all these, like, I don't know, discoveries, I guess you could say. So at that point, my sister goes on this journey to find out who her biological father is. And I'm still sitting here like, well, dad's my dad. So, you know, 
I have a dad and now I know he's my dad. So uh, after my sister finds her biological father, um, she starts talking to me and kind of like breaking it down to me. Like dad is not your dad. Like, I don't know why you're, you keep coming back to this, but he's not your dad. And I'm like, why do you say that? So at this point, she's like, well, if, because at this point you have to remember my sister has gone on this journey to find her biological father, which by the way, I was not a very, um, I was not a very supportive sister in that only because I didn't realize what happens when you go through this. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, I haven't known my biological dad all my life, so I'm used to that. I didn't ever think in any way that this would be that big of a deal. And so I'm. she goes on this journey. Well, she learns all this stuff while going on this journey about DNA and um, cinnamorgans and all these things about uh, what happens in, in these DNA tests and all this. So she finally says to me, you are going to have to look, really look, because I really don't think dad is your dad. And I'm like, well, why would you say that? Then she starts explaining to me that I would have some, I would have some Western European blood if he would, he was my dad. And, and, and another thing is I just kept thinking to myself, well, what if my grandmother's not really Czechoslovakian and she was adopted? You know, you just make all these different rationales in your mind that make no sense now. But at the time, it makes so much sense to you because you don't know what the heck you're doing. Like, you don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what, you know. So after my sister goes through her thing, she tells me, you really need to get on Ancestry. Like, that's the site you need to go on. Because at this point, I only have my heritage, and I'm just kind of trying to ask people questions. But you have to remember, because I did not know if my dad was my dad, I didn't want to go on to my heritage and ask questions about or tell people on my heritage, I don't know who my dad is. Can you tell me who I'm related to or who, you know? Because what if I was his and then they go to my grandmother and then my grandmother's like, why are you going around the internet asking people who your dad is? So I had all these different like rules in my head that I had to keep to, you know, like I couldn't ask this question because I don't want nobody to know, you know, it was just, it, it's really when, when you're trying to, uh, uh, I don't know, trying to, I don't feel like I was trying to please anybody, but I do feel like. I feel like now I wish I had a, had just been more like honest from the get-go because I think I would have gotten better answers had I been. And whatever happened after that happened. And if it embarrassed my grandmother, I could always say, look, I'm sorry, but I needed answers. You know, and, right. but I, at the time, I really was not thinking that way. I was really thinking, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to ask those questions, you know. So... In 2019, finally, I get on Ancestry. And um, Ancestry was a lot easier tool to use. And about six months after I got on Ancestry, I realized, like, I was kept trying to find links to my dad's tree. I would, like, build this tree and then nothing would link up to it. Like, none of my uh, matches would ever link up to it. And so I was, it was probably about... Uh, six months to a year that I finally realized 
my dad is not my dad and I'm going to have to look somewhere else because this is not matching up. So at this point, I did think there was a third. Like I really was like, I kept going to my mom, like, is there something you're not telling me? And the one thing that, um, one thing that I kept worrying about was my mom had, has, has told me, um, that when she was a teenager, she was sexually assaulted. And so she has always said that it was before I was conceived, but in my mind, I was like, what if she was just so traumatized that she's forgetting when it was, and it really was at the time when I was conceived. And this is how I was conceived. Like, I was just all worried about that. You know, like, what if this is going to bring up some bad memories for her? Or, you know, I just kept, it just, everything in your mind when you try to figure this stuff out, just everything comes up. So at one point I went to my mom and I even talked to her about that. And she just kept saying, it. I'm telling you, there was two people and there was the guy on vacation and there was your dad and there was nobody else. And so at that point, I started reaching out to people in Ancestry and I send a message to a lady on Ancestry. She's a fourth cousin. And I say to her, um, can you tell me what side of the tree I'm matching up on, on your family tree? And she comes back and she says, do you know who your biological father is? And I'm like, I mean, she had to have just, I don't know what made her ask that question, but it was, I felt like I asked such a vague question and I wasn't, um, I wasn't giving her any clue that I didn't know. And so at that point I said, you know what, I can either just tell her a lie and try to not tell my truth or I can tell her the truth and just see what she says. So I just like laid it out for her. I just was like, look, this is my whole story. There's two possible, my mom is saying there's two possibility. And I explained to her that I have a picture of a man who is in a, a, a native that was supposed to be a native American man that my mom met on vacation. We do not have a name. And then there's my bio, I mean, my birth certificate father, those are the two. And, and I explained to her that at this point, I'm not sure if there's a third. I just don't know, you know? And so she came back and she said, Oh, that's weird. She said, you know, before we started taking ancestry tests, my whole family thought we were native American, but we're not, we just look like it. So at that point I felt like bingo, like I kind of felt like I felt a little hope at that point, like, okay. That makes sense to me because the guy in my picture definitely looks to me like he's American Indian a little bit, you know? And then I go to, I go to, um, so before I reached out to that cousin, I would reach out to people on Ancestry and ask them if they knew any people in, in their family that had my, my birth certificate father's parents names surnames so there's four you know each each um person has four surnames right their grandparents all their grand their their four grandparents so my grandmother's name her two her two surnames are very different names because they are um Czechoslovakian they're just really different names and so 
every single time I asked anybody and I asked lots of people, they would say no. And so I got to a point where I was like, there's, that's how I kind of got to the conclusion that he was not my biological father, because I was thinking, if you have a name like that in your family, you are going to remember it. Even if, even if you don't remember the exact name, you're going to go, oh, I've heard that name before because they're just different names. So the same people that I was going to asking them if they had these surnames in their tree, I decided the ones who had reached back out to me to try to help me, I was going to reach back out to them and just see where I fit in the tree. Because at this point I had listened to, um, YouTube videos about how to trace, do DNA tracing and and that sort of thing. So I start trying to build a tree backwards. I try to start with these ancestors that I could tell were my ancestors because there were many of my cousins that had these same ancestors in their tree. But the problem is I did not know what I was doing. So about that time, a second cousin pops up on my on my ancestry. And before that second cousin popped up, I'd only had one other second cousin and everybody else was further back than that. And the, the first second cousin that I had, it was his wife that managed the tree. And she told me that he had, he was very sick and had memory issues. So I knew I wasn't going to get any help from him. I knew there was just no way. And so when the second, second cousin popped up, I thought to myself, this has got to be my paternal, my, my biological father's first cousin. It's got to be. I mean, they were all matching up the way my mom's first cousins were matching up. And that is, that is one thing that I had kind of for me is a lot of my mom's family had tested. So I knew my mom's, all my mom's siblings had tested. My mom tested. Oh, my kids had tested, or I'm sorry, both of my daughters, my older daughters had tested. And then my mom's nieces and nephews had tested. And then all my mom's first cousins and some of their kids had tested. So I had a good, I had a good idea of what somebody would look, you know, where they would be in your tree if they tested a certain way. So the second cousin pops up and I'm like, So I reach out to him and I explain, I just explained to him the whole story. Like, I'm just like, okay, you popped up. I don't know who my biological father is. I'm, I'm wondering if you could give me some answers. I'm thinking he may live in Texas. I don't know for sure. He never responds to me. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So there was a third cousin that I had reached out to. So in January of this year, I start really trying to pursue it because I had tried building the tree backwards and didn't get anywhere, tried reaching out to a second cousin and didn't get anywhere. So I started going back to all these cousins that I had, that I had previously reached out to that had kind of come back and told me, no, I don't know any of those surnames. And I figured if they, you know, if they came back the first time and helped me, they would come back a second time and help me. And so I reached out to this guy and I sent him a message and I realized right then that it's not him. As soon as I sent the message, I saw that his account was being managed by somebody. So I'm like, oh shoot, I I wasn't even sending it to him. And he's the one that reached out to me. He actually was the one that reached out to me, not anybody that was managing his account. So I was like, well, darn. So when I went and saw that, I went and clicked on her name and her whole description was, I like a good puzzle. 
Um, I like to figure things out, you know, all the, her whole like little intro or whatever it is, uh, says all this stuff. So I'm like, whoa, I might be able to, I might be able to challenge her a little bit. So that very same day, she sends me a text and she just says, do you know who your biological father is? And I'm like, no, I don't, you know? And, and again, I was kind of like, should I tell her? Because at this point I'm just saying, what side of the tree do I, you know, do I match up on? And she's like, do you know who your biological father is? And I'm like, oh, wow, she's asking me. Now she's asking me. So I just told her the whole story. And she comes back with, I really think I can help you. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, somebody's going to help me. Heck, yeah, yeah, please help me, you know. So she tells me that and that was kind of like in the afternoon. And so she's like, in the morning, I'm going to get a hold of you and I'm going to have you send me your information. And then she starts explaining to me how I'm, how she's going to help me, which is basically I'm going to give her access to my ancestry account. And I was like really leery, but then I was like, well, you really have nothing to lose at this point, And you don't, if this is your only way to get help, just let her help you, you know? So the next morning she reaches out to me. It's about nine 30 in the morning. She gets all my information. I give her everything I know. The only thing I never told her was that I had a picture. I just told her there's somebody, because at that point I was thinking it was somebody else. Anyway, I was thinking maybe it was somebody else. Like I didn't even want to say anything about a picture because at that point I felt like he probably does. He probably has nothing to do with this story or with my story, you know? So at, so I give her my information at 9.30 and at 3.45, she sends me a picture and says, I believe I found your biological grandmother. And I was like, and she says, uh, before she sent me the picture, she goes, would you like a, like to see a picture of her? I'm like, uh, yeah, please. So as soon as my biological grandmother pops up in my email, I'm like, I look like her. That's so weird. It was so weird. And so um, she tells me at the time I was working and I worked till five. So she says, would you have time to chat later? And I said, yes, I will call you. And so um, I didn't really know when she wanted me to call. So when, when a little, a couple of hours later, I'm running my kids around town, getting them to their activities and she says, I'm pretty sure I have two possible fathers. Um, would you like one of the, would you like a picture of the one I found? And I'm like, yeah. So she sends me the picture. And as soon as I see the picture, I'm like, he looks familiar. It's so weird. It was just so weird. Like I knew him, you know, I didn't. But for some reason, there was something in his face that was familiar to me. And so uh, I call her and she explains to me that um, that my biological grandmother had five children. She had two children by one man and she had three children by her second husband. The second cousin on Ancestry is a half first cousin. So the the my second cousin that never responded to me is actually my biological father's half brother's son. So he's Whoa. actually not a second. He's not actually my, he's not my biological father's first cousin. 
he's my first cousin. He's just a half, his dad is a half brother to my biological father, if that makes any sense, which is something I never even thought of him being because he was, because in my mom's family in both my mom, my grandmother and my, um, my, both in my grandmother and my grandfather's side of the family, we don't have half siblings. Like there's no half siblings there. My grandmother had no half siblings that we know of. My grandfather had no half siblings that we know of. So when people pop up, they are what they are. You know, there's, if it's a first cousin, it's a first cousin. If it's a second cousin, it's a second cousin. So it never dawned on me. And I never thought about the fact that the second cousin that's popping up may just be a half, you know, a half or whatever. So um, at that point, she gives me a name and she says there there were two brothers. Um, my biological father had two sons by her second husband. And I'm related to both her and her second husband. So she knows I am the, the daughter of one of those two sons. She then explained to me that one of them was 16 at the time of my conception and one of them would have been 19 at the time of my conception and so i'm sitting there like what in the world like 16 is so young and the and the man in my picture the man in my picture and the picture she sends me initially i was like they're not that's not the same person and so i'm like okay so tell me more about him and she explains to me that Every, all the information she's getting is on social media and that um, they have a sister who is very active on social media. And so I'm like, okay. And so she says, um, at, oh, at that time, I tell her, I'm like, okay, well, I'm running kids around. So when I get home, I'm going to kind of look through your email, look through that information and, and everything. So when I got home, I look at the picture of this man and the more and more I look at the picture, the more and more I'm like, he looks so familiar, but I didn't feel like I knew him. I felt like there was something that I was recognizing in him. And I, I couldn't, it was just such a weird, it was so weird. And so she explains to me that the, the um, son that would have been 19 at the time didn't, didn't have social media. But that she she thinks from all the um, records that she went through, his name might be Bobby, Robert, you know, like she's naming all these names that he that it could be. So I'm like, OK, so I call my sister at this point. I'm, I call my sister and I'm like, hey, uh, a lady just helped me find out what family I, I belong to. And she's like, so I explained to her everything. She's like, tell me the names." So I'm giving her the names and she's. She's, you know, look at that point, my sister gets on uh, social media and you have to remember again, my sister's already been through this. So she knows how to snoop and she knows all that. And so she's on there. She's just a snooping and she's, she's like, uh, okay, I found, I found, um, the 16 year old. And then at that point I go and get my picture that I've had all my life. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at this man's picture that Terry sent me, which Terry is my, I call her my search angel because she is an angel. And so, um, so I am looking at that picture of, of the man Terry sends me. And I, I'm looking at the picture of the man that my mom gave me when I was 10. And 
the more and more I start looking at the picture, I'm looking at features and I'm like, you know, they look like they could be the same person. Um, one's just looks really darker. Like the man in my picture had a very, very good tan. And so, um, obviously at this point now I know that, but, um, I'm, and so I sent Terry a message and I said, Hey, I might actually have a picture of one of the sons from when he was, when he, when my mom met him, but I, I want you to look at and tell me what you think. So I send it to her and she's like, that definitely looks like it could be the same person. So at that point, my sister had found the other brother on social media, the one that Terry said she couldn't find. So um, I tell Terry, I'm like, I, and I also think I found the older brother. And she's like, I no, he doesn't have social media. I'm like, I'm telling you, she, he does. And so I send her that and she's like, oh, yep, that's, wow, your sister's good, you know? And so I'm looking at the picture that I have from when I was, when I was 10, the Polaroid. And I could clearly see that the man in my picture was definitely not the older brother. And so my sister's like, well, if the older brother's your dad, she, she's saying, well, maybe he looked more like the other brother when he was younger. And I'm like, look, this is what I'm going to tell you. I'm not saying which one's my, my biological father, because I don't know. But if the older brother is my biological father, the man in my picture that I've had since I was 10, that's not the same guy. The other guy could very well be the same guy. And so at this point, I go get my other picture because I remember I had two pictures of him. And the further, so the first picture that I had, the one that my mom gave me when I was 10, it's a close-up of him. And he definitely doesn't look like a 16-year-old. But then the other picture is kind of further back. And again, this was nighttime. It's a Polaroid picture and it was taken in 1979. And I think that that Polaroid picture, the first picture that I had of him, just is a darker picture. I think he was standing in a darker spot. It made his skin color look darker. And when I saw the other picture, he's kind of further away. He definitely looks like he could be a 16-year-old, and he definitely looks lighter skinned. So I started, like, really thinking, like, this really could be him. So I send it to Terry, and Terry says, for sure, yeah, that could be the same guy. And she kind of says, this is what I would do if I were you. If I were you, I would send it to the sister. The sister is active on Facebook. She's going to respond to you faster. So I would send it to her. So at the time, I had a, a Facebook that I deactivated in 2014. So I was kind of like, okay, do and this is 2000 and this is 2021. So I'm like, okay, are they going to believe somebody who hasn't had any activity on their Facebook in seven years? Are they going to believe somebody like maybe my sister who could reach out and they'll see, okay, she's active on Facebook. She, you know, she's, she posted something yesterday or whatever. And um, so I chose to ask my sister to reach out to the sister and just ask. Do you, and, and all we did, all she did was she sent her a message and she said, Hey, I'm working on a, I'm working on a family tree. I'm wondering if you could tell me who this is. She sends her the picture that I got when I was 10 years old. Nobody else has this picture. This is not a picture that's floating around on social media. This is not, you know, it, it all, to me, it's everything you need to show somebody, look, I, I have this picture. I'm not trying to make something up. And so she comes back and right away, she says, that's my brother and tells us that he, that it is the 16 year old, the one that would have been 16 when I was conceived. 
And so we knew right away, we were like, bingo, which, which I will say this after snooping on social media, we find out that the one that was 19 actually would have been married at the, the time, time of my conception. So I was very happy that it was the 16 year old and I didn't have to worry about none of that. So, but you know, at the time you just don't know, you know, I didn't know. I, I, I'm like, I don't know. All I know is I'm related to y'all. Well, so, a lot of these NPE stories do go that way. Ex- so exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what I kept telling my sister. I'm like, if it's the married one, I'm not even going to reach out. Like that's not even going to, that will never happen. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. So anyway, um, so she sends the picture to her and she comes back almost immediately and says, that's my brother. And, um, she, and she names the brother, the 16 year old. And so, um, she says to our, my sister says to me, what do you want me to do? I'm like, send it to him and let's see what he says, because I don't know her. She could be some crazy person, you know, just saying, you know, maybe it looks like her brother and it's really not, you know? And so she sends it to him and uh, the next day he comes back and says, that's me. Why are you asking me these questions? You know, why are you asking me? And so my sister says, he's asking me why I'm asking, what do you want me to tell him? So in my mind, I'm thinking if I have truly found my biological family, I don't want anybody to ever think that we were trying to lie or, you know, we were trying to deceive anybody. So my first instinct was just tell him the truth. Tell him what we're doing. Like, tell him why. Because there's no reason, at this point, we know who he is. We found him. I know who the man in my picture is. I can't, there's no way that I have a picture of a man that I was told was my biological father. And in some weird mistake, somebody has pointed me straight to him. There's just, through DNA. There, this was not a coincidence. I didn't know his name. You know, so I'm just like, tell him, tell him what we think. And so she starts messaging him just saying, uh, so this is what happened. You know, apparently you met my mother on vacation back in 1979. And he, he's like, well, who's your mother? And my sister's saying, telling her my, telling him my mother's name. I don't know her. Well, yeah, you wouldn't know her. You only knew her for like three days. Of course you wouldn't have known her, you know? And so then he's, he's saying he doesn't know anybody from my mom's hometown. And my sister's like, that you weren't in your, we weren't, you weren't, that I'd never, he said he had never been to my mom's hometown and say, and he also said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a small town boy. Like, I, I, I think he was like, I don't do stuff like that. What? You know? And so at that point, um, he stops communicating with my sister. So I'm like, man, what is my next step? And and those were probably the hardest days because you just take everything so personal. At the time, I just took it all so personal. Like that was just like um, rejection. It was a type of rejection that I had never felt before. And in some ways, I think I had kind of the wrong attitude like I had the attitude like it's my right to know and and I do feel that way I feel like it's all of our rights to know where we come from but I think I took too hard of a angle on that (laughs) that stance because I just took it so personal like oh my gosh I had this chance to talk to my biological father and I ruined it you know because I just whatever you know and so um at that point uh, I just 
I, at that point I sent, I sent because he blocks my sister on Facebook. The sister blocks my sister on Facebook, but before, before the sister blocked my sister on Facebook, she goes and gets her email address off her Facebook. And so I had her email address. So I just send the sister an email, an email just saying, look, I'm not trying to disrupt anybody's life, but I exist. And I'm pretty certain that's my biological father, whether he wants to admit it or he doesn't, or he doesn't want anything to do with me. He probably needs to have conversations with his family members who will find out eventually because somebody is going to take a DNA test and find out besides the fact that I've already contacted one of his nephews and eventually that is going to be something that somebody talks about. So he may want to reconsider and I'm not, I, I don't have to have a relationship with him. I'm not trying to disrupt his life. I'm just saying I'm here and I exist and I'm pretty certain that he fathered a child when he was 16. And so the sister actually gave me, she sent me an email back and just said, told me that he was in very poor health and that she would love to talk to me. And so at that point I set up a phone call with her thinking, honestly, I think at the time I probably wouldn't have admitted this at the time, but I thought that if I talked to her and convinced her, she could convince him and I would be able to have some type of conversation with him. Um, again, you know, when you're going through it, you kind of tell yourself you only want to know who they are. You don't want a relationship. You just, you just want to know family history. You just want to know medical history. You tell, you tell yourself all these things, but you're really looking for something different. Because if you if you were were only looking for those things, um, I think that if you were truly only looking for those things, and I don't doubt that there are people who are only looking for those things, but for me, I was I think I was fooling myself. I think I really was not being honest. I was not being honest with myself when I said I just need to know who they are, and I need them to know that I exist. You know, I needed somebody to say. Yep, you're ours. You belong to us. You are our family. You are our blood. And so um, I needed that. I don't know why. I'm not sure. Even at this point, you know, that's it's been six months and I'm not sure at the time why I needed that so bad. I, I don't know if it's because I searched for so long and I didn't have answers for so long. But when I finally talked to the sister on the phone, I figured out just by the way she talked that him and her didn't, didn't have the best relationship. Um, and when I say that, I think they grew up close. I think they just grew apart as they got older. And so there were certain things that she told me that I just did not feel like she was probably the good, a good person to be the, um, I'm not going to say middleman because I did never, I never expected anybody to be a middleman. But I did expect somebody to go to him and go, look, you've got to do something because this is probably your child. So you got to take a Because at that point, I just wanted somebody to take a DNA test so that I would know. So then I didn't go 30 more years thinking somebody was my biological father that wasn't. I just needed to see it on the computer screen that this, yes, this is who you, you found who you thought you found. So... 
Um, at that point she had told me, I'll take a DNA test, you know, for you. And that would be, I, she, you know, she kind of made it sound like that would be like a gift for her because she'd always wanted, she'd always wanted to take one. So I'm like, okay, well she'll get something. I'll get something, you know? And, uh, one thing that Terry told me was you really don't want his sister taking a DNA test. You really want one of the kids to take a DNA test. Because you really, if you really want the answers, you either want him to take the DNA test or you want his brother to take the DNA test or you want one of their children to take a DNA test. Because the sister is just going to tell you that you belong to them, one of them. It's not going to tell you which one you belong to. So at the time, I was just going to settle for that just because I thought, well, if I can prove that she's my aunt, one of them will say, well, We've got to figure out who she belongs to. Uh, anyway, I knew who I belonged to. I knew who my biological father was, but I, that's just how you have to think because, or that's how I was thinking. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, so I, I order the test. I get it expedited to her house and I get the shipping information the next day. I'm, I'm having it like shipped overnight, but because of the days, it wasn't going to get to her until two days or something. So, or maybe because of the time I ordered it or something, like maybe I ordered it, I, it was a Wednesday night. So maybe because I ordered it too late, it wasn't going to get to her until Friday. So, so she sent, so I sent her an email, just, I mean, a text message saying, Hey, I ordered the test. It'll be the, you know, this is the shipping information. So she sends me an email, I mean, a text message back and says, can we change the address? And I'm like, why? I was so like, just the error was, I was just like so devastated. I'm like, why? And she explained to me that she was moving and she was moving from that um, address back to um, her home state and that she wasn't going to be able to receive the test. And so I'm like, so the only option I really had or the only option I thought I had, I, I think at the time, um, I really did have an option to send it to a different address, but, um, or to her other address. But I think I was so like done with instability because I can't deal with, I can't deal with somebody that says they're going to do something. They just not do it. I, I just can't deal with it. It's, it's nothing personal towards her. I truly think she was having a hard time in her life. And I, I truly think she was leaving. I don't think she did any of that on purpose to spite me or to be ugly to me or I don't even think it was that she didn't want to be involved. I really think she would have taken the test. I think she just was going through some things in her personal life. But for me, because of what I've been through, because of what I've been through, I just can't deal with that. So at that point, I just had it rerouted to my house. Like I just had them send it to my house because that was the easiest thing for me. And that was the easiest uh, solution to the whole issue. So, so, So at this point, I had just kind of decided that I needed to give it a rest because I was emotionally like charged over all of it. I was extremely distraught over the, the, the rejection from him. And I mean, the night that I found out that who he was and I went and got pictures thinking these people are going to want to see who I am. They're going to want to know. They're going to want to know what I looked like when I was a baby. They're going to be just so happy 
that they have somebody like me in their family. It, I just, I had just, I had just built something so big. And so by the time I got to that point where she had just basically told me she couldn't take the test, couldn't receive the test. I was just like, I just really felt like I needed a break. Like I needed to just stop what I was doing, figure try to go back to my life. The problem is when you're going through something like this, you're obsessed. You can, you can say you're not, you could say you don't want to be, you think about it every day, all day long. When I was first finding out that first week, I think I cried almost every day, almost all day long. I, I woke up sobbing. Um, first of all, it's the shock of a part of it was finding out that my my birth certificate father was not my dad. And it sounds crazy because I've known since I was 10. But that evidence of just That's finding funny. out was just devastating. And I know it probably was not as devastating as somebody who don't doesn't know at all. But it's still like devastating to you. Because it's like concrete. It's like, okay, this is pretty for sure, you know, pretty certain. So, but of course my mind was still trying to rationalize. Well, maybe my grandmother had a baby by his mom, by his, I mean, by his dad, you know, like I was still like, there was still part of me. Like, what if, what if my dad is his brother? You know, those, those are the things you like think about, like you just try to rationalize it. So at that point I was like, at the point where the sister couldn't get the test. I, I had it rerouted to my house. I got the test at my house and I thought I might need it later. So I set for six weeks trying to come up with some type of plan. So at six weeks, I thought to myself, I'm going to reactivate my Facebook account and I'm going to send the brother a Facebook message and I'm going to just tell him that if his brother's in really poor health, like the sister is saying, maybe he could take the test. That way I just know. You know, if he takes the test, he's not my biological father, then I know for sure his brother is. So I s decide to do this, and I go to my husband, and I start talking to him about it. He's like, look, if you're going to send the brother a message, send him a message also. That way they all get the same message. It doesn't feel like you're trying to go around him. You're trying to include him in the whole ordeal. So my sister explained to me that if I'm going to send them messages, I have to go ask them to be my friend on Facebook. Because if something about if you don't, um, if you're not friends with them, it'll go into their spam or something like that. So I send the brother and the sister-in-law because I wanted the sister-in-law to understand that I'm not trying to message somebody's husband. I just really just want answers and she can be as involved as she wants to be in this, you know, and I just didn't want anybody to think I was like, there was any funny business going on. I just really wanted answers. And so I send both of them friend requests. Well, by the time I sent my biological father, um, the message, I forgot that I had to go ask him to be my friend. So I just send him the message and don't ever ask him to be my friend and so I sent them that those messages I sent on a Friday night thinking it would give me all weekend for them to respond and for me to figure out 
because at that point I'm telling them all, I will pay for anybody a test. We'll pay for, for all of y'all to, you know, I will pay for both of them to have a test, whatever I need to do. I just really want somebody to take a test. So I know who my biological father is. And so all weekend I'm on pins and needles. Like, have they responded? I'm checking Facebook every five seconds because you just want somebody to respond to you. Nothing. All weekend, nothing. Monday goes by, nothing. Tuesday goes by. Wednesday, I'm like, you know what? I've got to figure something else out. They're not responding to me. So I decided on Wednesday I was going to send... I was going to send his daughter and his son because at that point I found out that he had a, he had, he has two sons and a daughter. One of the sons is his, he adopted him. So he's not biologically related to him. So I couldn't ask him to take a test, obviously. And so I decided I was going to ask the two, the two children I knew were biologically related to him if they would take a test just so I would know. So I send them both the same message. I explain to them that I've sent these people messages and they're not responding to me. I don't know. If, and I told them, you know, I told them in my letter, I don't know if they don't believe me, if they don't want to get involved. I'm not really sure what it is. I just want somebody to take a test. So I send that message out Wednesday afternoon. And in like five minutes, I'm getting a call from the area that they're from. And I'm like, my heart starts beating like hard. I mean, hard. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I answer. And on the other end is the sweetest voice I've probably ever heard. It is my biological sister. And she's telling me that she is his daughter and that she would be more than happy to help me and that we will figure this out. And that she's pretty sure I'm probably her biological sister just by looking at my picture. So, um, I mean, she, she, that we probably had maybe like a 15 or 20 minute conversation. And I feel like everything, all those feelings I had at the beginning of all this, went away in those 20 minutes of talking to her because I finally had somebody that was going to help me because honestly, it's really all I needed. All I needed was somebody to say, we will figure this out. We will help you do whatever you need to do. Whatever it is that you need, we will do for you. So she tells me that she'll take the test that I can send her a test and she will take it. And then we hang up. And the next morning she sends me a text and says, I'd really like to get to know you a little bit better before I open this can of worms on my family. I really need to talk to my dad about all this and figure out what he thinks and if he's okay with all of it. And so of course I'm like, I get it. I understand. Um, I do. I, at that point I did feel a little bit of that disappointment. Like, <laughs> not again, like more people that just don't want to help. But I also understood. And so I talked to her a little later and she explained to me that he never got my message. His sister-in-law got my message, but 
But her husband told her, don't you, don't you dare reply to that message. <laughs> and so I think he just didn't want to be involved and he didn't want, you know, I, I'm sure he just didn't want to be involved. And I understand that. So uh, my biological sister told me that if, um, that once she re- read my story to him, that he told her that he was most likely my biological father and at about 4.30 that afternoon, he called me himself. And so I was able to have a conversation with him for the first time also. Wow. So, wow. so that day you got to talk to him and yep. your biological sister. Yes. What was that like talking to him the first time? It was very, I, I feel crazy for saying this because... I think it sounds crazy to people that don't understand, but when I talked to him for the first time, I could feel the same type of spirit or personality that I have. And that was very strange to me. That was just weird. It was, it was a very weird, it's very weird to not own, you know, I say only be connected through through biology, but I feel like now that I've been through what I've been through, biology means a lot more than what some of us have given it credit for. And so, um, hearing his voice and just hearing the way he talks. And it's really funny because I've always been one of these people. Um, my husband's kind of the opposite, which is the reason why I notice it so much. So when he sends a text, my husband does not uh, does not care if he uses a period or a comma. He's just going to send you his text. Not, not I'm not saying he never uses a period. He doesn't ever, you know, it's not like he never does, but it's not important to him. And I'm the kind of person, like, if I send you something and I feel like it's grammatically wrong, I'm going to try to make it right. You know, it's just the way I am. So... The first couple times that I got any kind of response from my biological father, I could tell he was the same type of person. Like he's going to say, Brandy, comma, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. So it, it was just kind of weird to, to get to see that kind of thing that we're so much, that we're alike, but that he really had nothing to do with he had nothing to do with my upbringing. I'm, I'm not really connected to him other than biology, but somehow that biology, that biological connection is so strong that there are things that we're just alike and there's nothing we can do about it. It's just that that is just how it is. It's, it's funny because oftentimes I would, my, my dad, my birth certificate father, uh, my dad, is a very, he's a wild child. He's very, uh, he's always been a wild child. He's always been in trouble. He's always, you know, done. He's always been crazy. He's always just been rebellious and he'll tell you, you know, we make jokes like, well, if you want dad to do something, you have to tell him to do the opposite because then he'll do it. You know, that's just how he is. You know, he, he's always been that way. He's, um, and so, it, it's really weird because I've always been like this rule follower. Like I don't like to be in trouble. I'm, you know, and my dad, some of the way my dad would be used to bother me. Like it would scare me, you know, as a kid, 
when you're a rule follower and you're from a family like my mom's where just everybody did what they were supposed to do. And I'm not saying they were perfect. I'm just saying they got jobs, they worked, they followed rules. You know, my uncle went into the military. My other uncle ran his own business, you know, like we just did what we were supposed to do, you know? And so when you're from a family like that, you just automatically think that all of that, all, you know, when you get older, you're like, well, I'm from this family that just follows all the rules. No wonder he scared me so much. He just was not a rule follower. He wasn't going to follow rules. He didn't want nobody telling him what to do. He was hippie. He was a hippie and he was, you know, a drug addict. And, and not that, not the two, the two are the same. I'm just saying it, it, he just had all these wild tendencies. And then, you know, there were times where my dad would do stuff like, um, he would get pulled over by the police and he would tell me and my sister cry. Okay. Cry. So they don't take me to jail, you know? And you know, that's just, that's just how he was. I, 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 I don't know how to explain it and it makes him sound terrible. It makes him sound like maybe a bad dad and he wasn't a great dad, but, but he wasn't a bad person. He was just, that's just who he was. I don't know. His personality was, is very weird. But then I find out that my biological father was a police officer who retired as a detective. So it's like, was that biological? Like, was that me always wanting to follow rules? Was that just biologically who I am? And it had nothing to do with the fact that my grandfather and, you know, on my mom's side, they were such rule followers. Is it just biological, bi biologically who I am? You know, it's just such a weird finding people that you're related to that really had nothing to do with your upbringing really set something in your mind for yourself. Like, wow, I am, it's weird how I'm like these people and they had nothing. I barely knew, know them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I found out my biological sister, I find out that she has three kids just like me. She has chosen to stay at home with her kids just like I did when my kids were little. Uh, her kids' names all start with M. My name, my kids' names all start with A. Um, our birthdays are in the same month. Our husbands' birthdays are in the same month, and our anniversaries are in the same month. So it's just weird idiosyncrasies like that that make me feel like biology is so much stronger than other things. I don't know. I'm not saying that biology is stronger than nature. I'm just saying nature's not everything. And biology is so important in all these stories because we end up being like our family that we find and fight, you know, finding them. This is what I, this is what I think is the best thing about the whole thing is when you find people that are like you, when you find people that look like you or that, that, that have personalities like you, a lot of things that you might have thought was bad about yourself, all of a sudden you see it in them and you look at it like it's beautiful. And in turn, it makes you look at yourself like you're beautiful. And that's the part for me that has been healing and such a nice fresh look at myself that I don't think I would have gotten to 
without it, you know, and everything's not perfect. Our story has just begun. I have enjoyed getting to know my biological sister very much. I feel like her and I are a lot alike. I hope she feels the same way. I think she does. But um, my biological father, he's married to a lady who is not his children's mom. His children's mom passed away when, when they were younger. And so he's been married to a lady now, I think, for 15 years. And um, she is not happy about a biological child popping up. So I don't... I don't uh, foresee a real strong relationship with him, which is got to be okay with me. You know, it's, it's, these stories are forever evolving. You know, it's mm-hmm. just always, there's always, I, I, ha- I haven't really communicated with my biological brother much, you know, and, and I'm also the type of person that I'm not going to push my way into anybody's life too. You know, I mean, you have to, you have to want me there for me to be there. So um, and, and again, I'm not saying he doesn't, I'm just saying I'm, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go and push my way. So it's got to kind of be this mutual thing. And, and it's nothing, I, I, I would love to get to know anybody that wants to get to know me. That's, that's not the problem. The problem is I don't want to be pushing my way into anybody's life. You know, I, I feel like I've, you know, I feel like I, I'm forever chasing a dad. That's what I feel. I feel like in my life, since I was born, I've chased a dad. And I just don't feel like I, you know, at 41 years old, I'm married, I have children. I just don't feel like I should have to chase a dad. You know, I don't feel like I should have to chase people to want them, for them to want to be in my life. Like, I just don't feel like I should have to chase people. And I, I feel like I've had to do that my whole life. And I just don't. You know, there's people that have come into my life, my stepdad, my husband, who have come in and they've stayed because they love me and they want to be there. And it's kind of taught me, I think, to value not only those relationships, but also value myself. Like there's people who want to be around me and want to be in my life. So I don't have to chase that, you know, and I just have to make peace with what I might've wanted, but just isn't. So there's a lot that, that has been learned. I feel like, and some of it's good. Some of it's sad. Some of it's, some of it's stuff that I should have learned maybe 20 years ago, but just didn't, you know? So have you gotten to meet any of your newfound family members in person yet? I have. 10 days after I talked to my biological sister for the first time, I went to her town and met her and it was awesome. And I've gotten to see her. So I saw her that weekend twice. And then she came, she lives in a different state now. And so she came down just recently and I got to see her again. So um, that's been really a lot of fun. She has three smaller children. She has three children that are smaller than my children. And so that's been nice too, because I have little, I have a little nephew and two little nieces that I have enjoyed seeing pictures of. And she'll send me, um, you know, a text message or a message telling me what they've been up to. And 
sending me pictures of their activities or whatever. And that's been really a lot of, it's been very nice. It's been, I just love it. And I, and I just love her. I just think she has been, um, (laughs) she's been just so nice. She's just been so nice. And it's funny because the first time I ever talked to my biological father, that's what he told me. He said, he said, um, my oldest son is not going to want to have anything to do with you. My second, my, my, my other son is also not going to want to have anything to do with you. He is going to be happy. You know, they're both happy with the sister they have, but my daughter is a sweetheart. She's sweeter than any of the rest of the family. And she is the one that's going to want, she's the one that's going to want to have a relationship with you. It's amazing and wonderful that you've gotten to meet her and that she's been so receptive. Now, at this point, um, now that you've gotten to, you know, meet your sister um, and you've gotten to talk to your biological father, where are you now in your journey in terms of acceptance and, and healing and all of that? So because I'm only six months down the road, I, I do feel like there's more work that has to be done in terms of healing and making peace with stuff. But in the last probably two months, I, I felt like a true peace about the situation. Mm-hmm. I, I felt a peace about uh, the fact that I may never get to meet my biological father. I, I've made peace with the fact that I might not really ever know him. Um, I have appreciated, because the one thing I do want to say, because I, I need to give people credit, you know, I need people to know that that from the get-go of all this, I made some, um, I guess, loose requests that uh, might have even hurt me in the long run. And when I say that, my initial... You know, when I was talking about how we fool ourselves, my initial, when I initially reached out to my biological father, I told him that I don't need anything from him. I'm not looking for a dad. And I'm truly not. I'm, you know, I had a dad and he was great. He was a wonderful man. And I I don't need a dad. But I think that I was lying to myself when I said, you know, I don't need anything. Because no matter what, you need acceptance from your biological parent. It it doesn't matter. You think you don't. And I'm going to go on a limb and say, even if you're the strongest person in this situation, there are things you need that you don't even know you need. And so I made these weird because I was trying to protect myself, I, I went and said, you know, I, I set it up to where uh, we email back and forth. Because in my mind, I'm thinking that way I'm not disappointed if he doesn't respond right away. Or I don't take it personal if he doesn't respond right away. Because when you're texting, it's kind of like you're looking at your phone like, did they text yet? Did they text yet? Where with an email, you can... I can make excuses and rationalize things in my head. Like maybe you didn't see it. Maybe it went to a spam, you know? And so, um, I, I feel like I, I'm not going to say I shot myself in the foot. 
I was trying to make it easy for him because I knew his situation was a little different with his wife. And so I didn't want to put any unnecessary. One thing is another thing about his situation is he's not in the best health. So we don't want to put any stress, unnecessary stress on him. So if his wife is giving him a hard time about communicating with me, I don't want that to be stressful for him. So from the get go, I kind of made that the thing, like, I will just email you. He has been extremely nice in the way of any questions I've had. And when I say questions, not just medical questions, any, he has told me about his childhood. He's told me about his parents and everything he knows about his grandparents. And he has just been more than willing to give me any kind of information like that, that I want. Um, and when I say that, uh, I mean anything. I have asked him about the music he likes and he, he doesn't ever make me feel like I'm asking too many questions or that I'm getting too deep into the question asking. Um, he seems like a very nice person. Like he just seems like he was just this really nice guy, you know? And so um, maybe that's part of, it's kind of sad to me, you know? And I feel like in some ways I did that to myself. Because, you know, when you reach out to somebody, you could easily, I could have easily said to, to him, look, I've been disappointed enough in my life. I don't need to be any more disappointed. Um, I just need to know what, where, where is this going to go? Because I don't want to feel like it's going one way and then be disappointed later. I don't, I just don't want that. I don't need that in my life. Or I could have told him, something along the lines of, you know, I, I don't know what I want because that was really probably the most honest answer because when you reach out for the first time, you think you know what you want, but you really don't. And and most likely you want more than what you're telling your, yourself you want. Sure. So having said that, I am, I have made peace with what I what this has become. Mm -hmm. um, but there is sadness. There's disappointment that comes along with it. There's all those emotions that you tell yourself you don't want to have or that you can't possibly go through it anymore or whatever it is that you tell yourself. And um, it's just part of it. And um I've just kind of come to that conclusion that it was something I was going to go through anyway, no matter what, where the story went or where the story goes. Now, does your birth certificate father know that you have found who your birth father is? Have you talked to him about any of this yet? Not one word. <laughs> I, I, I'm having a really hard time with that one. Um, for one, I don't talk to him that often. Um, and because of the pain that my mom explains that he went through when she told him, um, I'm not real comfortable talking to him about it. I, 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 and, and maybe I'll feel differently later, but I don't feel like I owe him that he, he was as much of, as much as I call him dad and he will always be that to me. He really wasn't a dad. And so um, 
So right now, as it stands, I just don't, I, I don't want to cause him any pain. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I don't feel like it would do anything positive for me to have that conversation with him. I, I don't know if that's just me being, again, not being honest with myself or if I'm really seeing things the right way. I, I don't think he would. I don't know. I don't know what would happen. You know, you can, you can say, people say all the time, nothing will change and it changes. So I can't say, I can't say um, a part of me is scared because there is a part of me that's scared to talk to him about it. But another part of it is I don't want to hurt him any more than he's already been hurt through all this. So do you um, ever, do you ever wonder if some of the paths he went down, you know, with regard to drugs and criminal activity had anything to do with the pain he was going through over that discovery when you were a baby? So when I was 21, um, I saw my dad sober for the first time. And when he got sober, he got sober because he was, he got in trouble with the law and had to go to a rehab in order to keep his job. So at that time, we had a lot of like honest discussions. And one thing he explained to me was that before I was conceived, before I came along, back when he was in high school, him and his friends used to use the drug of his choice recreationally, not realizing that it was a very addictive drug. And so I told myself at one point that I was the reason why he was on drugs and why he chose that. But then the more and more I think about it, the more and more I really believe that my dad probably would have been an addict no matter what. Mm. Uh, I, I, I will say this. My dad is one of six kids. He has, uh, there's four boys. So there's, there's, he has three brothers and two sisters. Um, and only one of them that I know of has not struggled with drugs. I don't want to just completely dismiss it because I definitely think that this has affected his life in such a big way. So I don't want to dismiss it like, no, I, but I just, I, I, the more, and the older I get, the more and more I see, the more and more I've seen him struggle with the drugs. I, I, I just think he would have been a drug addict, whether I was his or not, he would have been a drug addict. And, and, you know, my mom has blamed herself and, and just recently I had this conversation with her because even she said something like, I just I just feel like I'm the one that's caused this whole mess and I'm the cause of his drug use. And he probably had to use drugs to forget about the things that I did to him. And I had to tell her, like, he was addicted to the drug before I came along, before you were even with him. I don't think that that would have made a difference. And he would have never been a good dad, whether I was his or I wasn't his. He, he wouldn't have been a good dad to a biological kid, biological child. And, and as far as I know of, he doesn't have any biological children. Um, I think that might be even, you know, I think that may be the way it's supposed to be. And in some ways, because I'm the kind of person that believes that all things happen for a reason, I, I, part of me feels like maybe all of this happened because something bigger than me know, knew that I was going to come 
and love him no matter what. And so part of me really truly believes that. I, I think that I am the only person in his life that has loved him through all of his addiction, has been there for him, even when he was a mess, when he went to prison, when he was selling drugs, when he was doing drugs, you know, all of the stuff that he did. I just loved him through it. And I'm not trying to make myself like sound like some hero or some type of, but I think everybody needs somebody like that in their life. And especially somebody who's using drugs, you know, and I just always had the ability because of our situation, because despite the fact that he wasn't my biological father and knew it, he still kind of came around and tried to make an effort a little bit. There's a, there's some part of me and some part of my heart that appreciate, appreciated that and loved him for that. And so it makes it easier to forgive somebody who you know that about, it makes it easier for you to let those things go that did affect you in your life because what he contributed to my life, he didn't have to contribute at all. So although I truly feel like my, my stepdad's my hero, um, I kind of in some ways feel like I was what my stepdad was to my dad. I was what my stepdad was to me, to my dad. Like just somebody that was there that didn't have to be. I wanted him to always know that I loved him. I always had this um, love in my heart for him. I would, I remember when I was little, I would just cry like, oh, I just want him to be okay. And I just want him to be off the drugs. When I was probably eight or nine, maybe even 10, I don't know. At a very young age, I knew he was a drug addict. So from, from that time, I just loved him so much. And I just wanted him to be okay. I wanted him to be safe. And uh, I, I still feel that way about him. I still feel very protective over him. And no matter what kind of life he's choosing or what he chooses to do in his life, I see the person the good person that he was when I was little because my dad was, is such a good person despite the drug use, despite uh, the trouble he's been in. Uh, I saw my dad do things that were really good and that taught me even good things. I'm not saying everything he taught me was good because he was a mess, but he, he did, there were things in his life that he taught me. There were things he would do in his life that he taught me good things. He would, you know, he always, uh, was so giving. I remember times where he would go and buy a bunch of stuff at the store for a friend that was needing food and toilet paper and paper towels and things like that. And he would just go drop it off at their house. And my dad was the type of person that would do things like that and you didn't owe him anything. You know, I mean, that that's that's a good person. He didn't hold it over people's heads. He didn't talk about, well, I went and did this for them and they can't even do, the, you know, he just not that kind of person. And so those are the things that make me love my dad. He just, he's just, I don't know. He's just my dad.
And I think there's an, another person in your story that <clears throat> deserves some some credit that a lot of NPEs unfortunately can't give uh, to our mothers. Your mom, um, when you confronted her at 10 years old, she gave you the truth. Yeah. A lot of us, including myself, um, unfortunately had mothers who, even when they were confronted multiple times and with multiple DNA tests, um, still deny, still will not tell the truth. Um, I think it was very, very brave of your mom and very loving of her to give you that truth so that you could start your journey when you were ready, you know, to do that. And I'm, I'm so glad that she didn't wait until you were a grown adult, um, to do that. Um, how do you feel about your mom and how she handled it? Well, it's, it's funny because I talk about the evolution of our stories and that's one of the things that has kind of evolved in my story, uh, from the get go, uh, or from, you know, from the time I started telling this story, I had always thought that my mom just came to me voluntarily and told me. And at one point, without talking to her about it, I just thought she had decided to do this because of my dad's absence. Because she felt bad because I would literally lay in bed at night and cry over I'm a crybaby. I cry. I cry a lot. I'm sensitive. So at nine, 10 years old, I would lay in bed and cry about my dad not being there, not coming and getting me. He would say he was coming and then never show up, that kind of stuff. And so I thought initially as an adult, after I started telling my story, I thought my mom had just come to me because she saw me struggling and didn't want me to struggle over it and wanted me to know you know, he's not your, he's not your biological father. And I've already told him he's not. And maybe that's why he's not coming. He, she, she didn't, I don't remember her saying that. What I'm saying is as an adult, I thought that's what she had done. I thought that's how the story went. So after, um, a little, you know, after I found my biological father and her and I got into some discussions about things that happened and how it happened, she explained to me that the reason why she ended up telling me is because I had overheard somebody talking about my paternity. Somebody had said in front of me that my dad was not my dad. So I came to her and said to her, uh, is he my dad? And she said that she struggled really hard with the question. But my mom had gone through this like uh, spiritual awakening when I was about eight years old. And so I think at that point in her life, she just didn't feel like she had the option to lie. And so uh, um, I, I now as an adult, I realize how brave it was. I realized that she could have easily told me whoever told me was crazy and they're, they weren't talking about you or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, people rational rationalize or say when these kinds of things happen. And she told me that that day when I asked her, she told me to go sit down out on the back porch. And uh, I, I think about that too. I think about where I was whenever she told me 
and how she told me to go sit on the back patio. So my grandfather had this beautiful back patio with this big grape orchard over it. And it was one of the uh, most comforting places as a child. I don't think she told me to go sit on the back patio because she knew that. But as an adult now, I think she couldn't have, she could not have picked a more comforting place to tell me something like this. So I go sit down on the back patio and she said that she went inside and grabbed the pitcher. And she said the whole time she's thinking to herself and talking to God and saying, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if I should be telling her. And she said, but at the same time, how was she going to get out of it without telling a lie? And she just felt a real conviction to tell me the truth. And so she said she sat there with the pitcher against her leg the whole time. And she said that she started telling me the story. And she said that at that point, when she started telling me the story that she knew she just needed to tell me. And so now, like I said, as an adult, I realize how completely brave that was and how she could have made choices to do things differently. And it might've changed and skewed my life and in, in a way that might not have been positive. And so yeah, I'm, my mom. My mom is. She is a wonderful person. I I, I don't know how more it, it. She's one of the reasons why I've had such a hard time telling my story, because I just don't want to paint her in a bad light. Because she's way more than a decision she made when she was seventeen. You know, she's just way more than that, and has lived her life in such a way that is way more than that. And I just didn't want. I don't want anybody to think any less of her because of a decision she made when she was that age. So now have you ever asked her if she would have ever told you had you not approached her when you were 10? I think we actually got into the discussion that day and she said she does not know. She's not sure if she would have ever told me. She's not sure if, if she weren't faced with that question, if she would have actually ever set me down and told me. So it might've been just something positive that happened that maybe at the time we didn't feel like it was so positive, but yeah. it turned into being something positive because I do feel like throughout my life, my dad and the way he was, I'm not going to say didn't affect me at all, but I think it did affect me less knowing that he wasn't really supposed to be responsible for me and then the fact that my grandfather stepped in and my grandfather would get so angry at my dad like I remember him saying things like I just I remember him sitting at the kitchen table he's like I don't understand why he can't just do what he says he's gonna do you know and of course my grandfather didn't know the whole story that we know of we don't I don't feel like my grandfather knew uh, maybe he did Maybe that's why he stepped in the way he did with me. I don't know. Um, but my grandfather was like this. He was just, he he he's the kind of, he was the kind of person, he passed away when I was 19, but he was the kind of person, like, even after I moved, I would still go and see him. I would still go fly to where he lived and go see him. And he would do things like call me on Valentine's Day. And he would say, you want to, um, will you be my Valentine? You know, he would just, he would just do stuff like that. And he... My grandfather was like this, uh, he was, he was a kind, 
sensitive man, but he was also like this big burly, you know, he fished and hunted and built things and, you know, I mean, that's just who he was. And so, um, I, I do wonder if I, I know the reason why he stepped in was because my dad didn't do what he was supposed to do. I just, I don't know if my grandfather ever knew. I just know he would always get so frustrated. He he did not like me talking to my dad. I remember him making comments like if I would talk to my dad on the phone and he would say things like, well, he's not, he's just not going to do what he tells you he's going to do anyway. Like, I don't understand why you would even want to give him the time of day. You know, that's the kind of comments my grandfather would make. So I know my grandfather saw that. Yeah. I'm fortunate yeah. that I had him and I'm very fortunate that I had my stepdad. I think when my stepdad came around, my grandfather like started relaxing a little bit. Like oh, they finally have somebody that's going to step in and do what they're, you know, do what they're supposed to, or not really even what they're supposed to, but what they don't, what they're not supposed to <laughs> really. But now I know, I know you said that sometimes, especially in the beginning, it was scary to, even consider sharing your story that it was hard to do for, for a lot of reasons. But um, why did you, what made you eventually say, I got to, I got to do this. I got to share my story. So if you, uh, you know, if you've listened to my story, you realize that I became an MPE when I was 10 from the time I was 10 until 41, 40, because I was really 40 when I found out. I didn't even have a term for what I was. I literally thought I was the only person on this planet that had a story like mine. I was embarrassed of it. I felt like I was the only person that had this story. So when I finally had a term for it, like I had a term, I could say what I was. I I didn't even have to explain my whole self. I could just say I'm an MPE. And most MPEs, would know what I'm saying. So when I finally figured out what I was and finally figured out there was like this community of people that were just like me, that had stories just like me, and I got to hear them, it made such a difference in me. I mean, from the day that I figured out that there was even a community of us, um, I started listening to MPE stories. I started really, really listening. I think I've listened to every MPE podcast that there is, every single episode. Um, I even like kind of started going into like the adoption story type things just because it's so healing to hear other people's story. And then I figured out that when... Um, I figured out when I started writing my story down, it was healing. You know, I would just write and write. I mean, I have, I have a notebook full of just where I just wrote and wrote and wrote because it was so healing. It, 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 it was some type of release for me, especially when I was going through those first couple of months where you just feel rejected a lot. And then you don't know where to put yourself. You don't know where you, your place is, you know? And so anyway, um, hearing other people's story was so healing and so nice. It was so nice to hear that other people had the same life as me, same story. You know, I can relate. I relate to every single story. I I know our, all of our stories are different, but you relate to all of them. And so because of that, I decided like, I've got to let people know. I've got to let people, I, I got to let people, I got to let people hear my story too, because I felt like, it was so brave of people to share their story. So then I was like, I've got to share my story. So I, I guess 
I would say that the reason why I decided to share my story is kind of like giving back to people who giving back because the people who shared their stories when I was, when I needed it helped me. Mm-hmm. So if I can help somebody, if I can help two or three people that to me will be like giving back because people helped me by sharing their stories. It's very healing to share your story. It's very healing to say, this is who I am. This is what happened that. And, <laughs> and let everybody and let people who understand what you've gone through hear you. Because there have been times in my life where I've shared my story. I didn't share my story very often, but when I would, when I would, it would always be to somebody who looked at me like, (laughs) looked at me like I was a little crazy and then said, okay, anyway, because they don't know what to say to you. You know, I mean, people who have not been through that have not been through the things you've been through. They just don't know what to say. And so it was very nice. It's very nice to find a community. I feel, I, I say this all the time, as much as I feel like I belong to my biological family that I found, I feel as equally as I belong to this MPE community. It's my people. It's the people who understand my story. And I've never had that before. I never, before all this, before I found this community, I never dreamed that other people, and and it's sad because I don't feel like anybody should have to go through this, but the fact that other people went through this and that, and they're, they're brave enough to share their stories has been so healing for me. I just don't feel alone anymore. And I felt alone for so long. And remember, I'm just going to remind you that I have a sister that's an MP and still I felt alone because her story was different than my story. You know, I mean, her and I have two different um, attitudes towards our stories. She's less uh, willing to put herself out there. She's just not going to do it. And I don't blame her for it. I mean, she literally will tell you, I don't want to feel those feelings. So I'm just not going to do that, you know? And so, um, just having a community of people, it's just amazing to me. It has just been one of the most healing parts of my whole story is that I have a term for what I am and there's other people who have been through what I've been through. That's why I decided to share my story. And if any other, um, NPEs, feel like they really relate to your story specifically and they would like to reach out to you, is there a way that they can do that? Sure. They can reach me at brandyford at msn.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-Y-F-O-R-D at msn.com. Wonderful. So feel free to reach out to Brandy if you relate to her story, if you have questions, Um, If you just want to make a new friend in this MPE community, she is, when I tell you this woman is wonderful, I I can't even begin, I can't even begin to, to tell you. Brandy, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today. I know firsthand that it's so liberating and so freeing, but at the same time, really emotionally draining 
and very scary to put yourself out there. And I really applaud you for your bravery and your strength. Whenever I connect with another NPE, I feel like I've made a lifetime friend, especially in you. (laughs) And I have the very best wishes for you in your journey to heal and to live your best life. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you being a platform for all of us. I love the way you shared your story. It's what made me reach out to you. And I appreciate all that you've done. Thank you so much. Now, see, you're making me cry and I don't have any tissues. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. I, I definitely feel that I have found a friend for life in you, for sure. We we have a great time talking. Absolutely. Uh, so now to all of you tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. If you're a parent who has not been honest with your child about their true parentage, I urge you to share the truth with them. Withholding this information for any reason will drastically affect your relationship and your child's mental health down the road. If you're not sure the best way to reveal the truth, there are qualified therapists that can help you communicate in a healthy way. Our lives are enriched by having parents who are honest with us. Honesty saves a great deal of pain in the future, and it fosters an environment of trust and genuine intimacy between parents and children. The trauma of discovering a non-paternal event later in life is something that no one asks for or deserves. We have a right to know where we come from, know our true ancestry, and our mental and physical health history. And while sometimes it's said that the truth can be a double-edged sword, it's far more harmful and damaging to withhold it from the people we love. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, please email thesecretinmydna at gmail.com. You do not have to give identifying information, and if you prefer to share your story anonymously, names can be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes. To hear more amazing DNA discovery stories, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash The Secret in My DNA. The Secret in My DNA also has a Facebook page where our guests can share photos and updates of their journey, so please go give it a like and a follow. I'm your host, Michelle Perret. Thank you for listening.